Hello, Overlake. Let's try it again. Hello, Overlake. Hey, all right. It's good to see you today. Wonderful to be with you. My name is Mike, one of the pastors on the team. Very, very excited to have the opportunity to uh, worship Jesus with you, uh, just to sing out our gratitude, to make much of the Lord together. It's just so, so good. So uh, it's just good being on the journey with you. Why don't you grab your notes out of your handout, and you'll see we're continuing a series today uh, on outlandish love. And, and this is um, the entire time we're going to be focused on Jesus because Jesus is the one who loves us with an outlandish love and then he invites us to not only receive his love but then to share it, to get in on the distribution pipeline of his love. Uh, a quick definition before we continue uh, on the word outlandish is that it is strikingly out of the ordinary, bizarre. Uh, second definition, exceeding proper or reasonable limits or standards in no way a proportional response. And, and so in that, you see Jesus, right? Jesus, his, the way he loves, strikingly out of the ordinary. It's bizarre, it's over the top, it's extravagant, it's lavish. When you think he's gonna strike back, when you think he's gonna retaliate, he instead responds in love, in no way proportional, his response. And so that's the kind of love that we want to get in on. That's, that's what we've received, and that's what we want to share. And the examples of it are everywhere. That's why we're going through the series. Um, I'll give you one quick example today. Today, uh, my father-in-law is visiting us, and so today, because I know he loves the Green Bay Packers, I want you to know that um, because I love him, I will be cheering for the Green Bay Packers. All right, so you just, you just see how that works. Um, a little bit later on today, I will be cheering for the Seattle Seahawks because, because I love Jesus. So you see, it's a little different. Outlandish love. So here's what I want to do. I want to begin just with asking the Lord to, to open our eyes so that we can receive his love and then we'll begin to share it. So let's just pray together. Uh, Lord, we do ask that you would open our eyes. We ask that you would allow us today to experience your healing your touch, the way in which you love us personally and deeply. And we just ask that you would give us the eyes wide open so that we could see and experience and, and, and know your love today. And then, Jesus, we do ask that you would allow us to share your love in our lives with those in our workplace, our classroom, our neighborhoods, our families. Would you let us be the ones who distribute your outlandish love this week? We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 9. We're looking at a passage of Scripture starting in verse 1. Uh, it, it, the notes have this verse. It'll be on the screen as well. This is an example. We're going to look at Jesus each week in this series, an example of outlandish love. And so let's just jump right in. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must act quickly. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. The line I'd love to have you underline is the line that says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us. 
Now, there's a lot going on in this brief little passage here, but the first thought I want you to see is the disciples' natural inclination, because we still see it today. Their natural inclination is to ask, whose fault is this? Who do we blame for this? Uh, He's blind. This is tragic. Who can we blame? Should we blame him or should we blame his parents? (laughs) Thank God nobody blames anyone else today, right? That was back then. Nobody does that anymore today. No, it's just this natural inclination. Who do we judge? Who can we condemn? Who can we hold accountable for this? We've got to blame someone. Now, there is an answer to the question, and it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, and you can jump in, Genesis 1, 2, 3, and read about how there was this unbroken relationship with the Lord and humanity, and how there was this incredible intimacy, and there was this vibrant connection, and then because of their choice to rebel against God, sin and brokenness and tragedy has entered the world, permeated every single level of society and biology, and we just see it roll forth through the centuries, right? We know there is brokenness in the world, and the ultimate answer, the big, big answer is sin, capital S. But they're not asking that question. They're not asking the theological all the way back question. They're just asking, um, is this man worthy of our, you know, um, looking down on? Or should we judge his parents? Jesus says, you guys are going all wrong. You're asking the absolute wrong question. It's, it, it's, it's not his sins, not his parents' sins. Jesus says, look, this is an opportunity for the power of God to be revealed. He's saying, you're asking the question, who do we blame? And I want you to ask the question, how can we bring God's power here? And that's why then it says, he, he, we must quickly go about the task assigned to us. It's like, this is a moment. God's provided this opportunity. Let's get to work here, revealing the light of the world, revealing the power of God right here, right now. What do you say? Completely different focus Jesus has. Why? Because he loves outlandishly, okay? And he invites us to get involved in that. So think about, like, like when you go to work or you look at the headline or, or, or you know, a tragic event happens in your life or, or there's somebody just so frustrating in your world and all you want to do is judge, blame, or condemn. I want you to ask the Jesus question. How do we reveal God's power right here? How can we get in on loving and, and just revealing Christ's love right here in the midst of this thing that's so messy? Okay, so that's the, the Jesus question. Again, um, I, I want you to know, I call this the Jesus judo chop, okay? It's like the disciples are coming at him with the, who do we blame? And Jesus is like, wah-pa, you know? It's, it, no, you don't see it? Okay, just me. So, so Jesus totally reverses the thing. No, let's get in on revealing the love of God. Let's reveal the power of God right here. Let's keep reading. It says, then he spit on the ground, did not see that one coming, all right? Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Headline for today's passage, Jesus makes mud pie for blind guy, okay? He told him, go wash yourself. That's a great thing to tell someone after you spit on them, right? Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others says, no, he just looks like him. 
But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They didn't even recognize him. The transformation was so complete, it was so total. He's like, no, no, it is me, for real. Look, all I've done, I washed my face, like he told me to, I combed my hair, I took off the woman's blouse you gave me to wear when I was blind, I put on Levi's, regular clothes. Like, like I'm, it's me, right? He's, he's, he's saying, no, it's authentic, I can see. And they ask, well, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Okay, praise the Lord. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but my mind instantly goes to a couple of very practical, very real questions. Namely, what's going on with the spit? Right? I, anybody else? Show a hand. Just anybody else a little bit? No? Uh, oh, gosh. You know, I hope so, because we're spending most of our time here. Uh, look, look I, I'm just wondering what's going on. Like, I, I did a little research this week. I'm looking through commentaries. I'm reading the scholars. I'm going through history. A, I learned more this week about expectorant than I ever thought was possible. Uh, so here's the first thing you need to know. In no culture anywhere has spitting on someone's face a sign of honor or respect, all right? It's a, hello, your majesty, you know, like that's never, right? It just never, ever happened. Uh, Second thing you need to know, human beings are so strange. I found this contest, it's called the Kudu Dung Spitting Contest. It is initiated in, in Africa, it's this gazelle that leaves behind pellets, and humans find the pellets, they put it in their mouth, and they see how far they can spit. Friends, we are so strange. There is a world championship kudu dung spitting contest, and I want you to know that I'm as competitive as the next guy. But I, I will leave that contest to you, okay? I do promise you it'll leave a bad taste in your mouth. Okay. Now, scholars speculate uh, because that's what they do. They, they speculate that maybe in that culture, they felt like saliva had medicinal purposes and then that that's what Jesus was tapping into and, you know, the expectations of the blind guy. Uh, but I did a little more research and I found out that the only person in history who thought that saliva had medicinal purposes was my dad, who made us spit on our scraped knees growing up. Like, <laughs> we were a crazy family. Um, Next thing that has been kind of put out there is that, that maybe the, the spit of the mud acted as an irritant on the guy's eyes so the blind man would be forced to get up and go wash it off. Which means that, are, are, are they really saying that if it didn't irritate his eyes that he just would have sat there with a couple of loogies hanging out like, oh, it's all balmy and smooth-like, you know? I, it just, some of this stuff, it just doesn't make sense. It's not all working together. And, and uh, so we know that this is a picture of outlandish, right? It's, it's absolutely bizarre and totally unexpected. Uh, the question is, is it outlandish love? All right, so that's what we're going to get into. And, and in the Old Testament, there are three places where spitting is mentioned, not in a good way. It's communicating insult and uh, the receiver being unclean. Leviticus 15.8, Numbers 12, 
14, Deuteronomy 25, 9. I give you those verses in case you want to do your devotions this week. Uh, they're, 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 it, it clearly in the Old Testament, it is, it is insult, right? It is, it is uh, communicating uncleanliness. And so scholars, knowing that, they've then kind of done some work. Well, you know, this miracle happened on the Sabbath. And there were all these cultural laws about what you could do, what you couldn't do on the Sabbath, on the Lord's Day. And Jesus chooses that day to heal a guy. Everyone's upset. They're furious, right? All the religious leaders, all the teachers of the law, they're furious that Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. And yet Jesus intentionally heals on the Sabbath to show that he is the Lord over the Sabbath. And that it doesn't matter what the cultural expectations are, the traditional expectations are, that he is Lord over all days, including the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. And maybe the same context is going on, uh, and that's why he uses, uh, you know, saliva. Again, I, I don't know. I think the real answer to why spit is we don't know, okay? But I do have an idea. It's called uh, an opinion, and I will share it right now, okay? Uh, again, this is just an opinion. I stand before the Lord. You don't have to buy this if you don't want to, but you'll see when we get to heaven. I'm <laughs> totally right, uh, and it's this, it's this. I think the reason, perhaps, that Jesus chose to spit in the dirt and make mud and put it on the guy's eyes is as a reminder that his healing takes us to uncomfortable places sometimes. I think maybe he did it as a reminder that his outlandish love on our behalf might unsettle us from time to time. Now, as a people, as a culture, we really like to write our own prescriptions. We, we really have these strong preferences as to how you're to treat me and how my healing will go. I want to manage my own soul care. I want to be the one in charge. I, I want to be healed, but I want to do it on my terms. That's really, really prevalent. And, and, and think about that because you're like, well, shouldn't it be that way? Shouldn't it be our preferences? Friends, human beings can have really, really crazy preferences. And may I refer you to the kudu dung spitting contest that we came up with, right? Like, we have the ability all the time to want things that are not our best, but are actually our worst. So I want to show you a video that illustrates this perfectly. And I have to set it up right, because the first service, they thought this was like a serious therapy video. And it's not. This is actually comedy. I want to tell you that ahead of time. So if you have the slightest inclination that you want to laugh, you have permission, okay? All right, watch this. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't... 
think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It's... Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! If you would just... Don't! Keep on talking till I can go Now, I think the, the point of the video is to play on a couple of stereotypes, and I, I don't care at all about the stereotypes, right? I just, I just want, maybe you fall under this stereotype, and you know, maybe gals like to approach something one way, guys like to approach it one way. I don't, I don't care at all. Here's what I want you to see. She had a preference on how she wanted to be healed. He had a preference on how he wanted to be healed. We all have a preference on how we would like Jesus to heal us. I don't think Jesus cares about our preferences at all. If you're filling in the blanks, I, I think this is that first lesson that we get from this passage, and that is Jesus heals me the way I need to be healed. Not the way I prefer, not the way I desire, not the way I choose, not the way I want. Jesus heals me the way I need to be healed. And so, for example, uh, maybe you prefer to be healed without ever thinking about that situation ever again. You, you never want to think about it. You never want to talk about it. You want to pretend that it never, ever happened. You're going to shove it underwater like a beach ball. And you can do that for a while but it will come up again and it will explode out of the surface of the water and, and it'll probably be in an inopportune time. And, and I just want you to understand that Jesus wants you to bring it up into the light so that he can heal it and make you whole right there. Some of you prefer to be healed in isolation. You're wounded, you wanna isolate. You just wanna be by yourself, take care of yourself. I know what I need, I'm just gonna heal myself and Jesus wants you to be healed in community. So that's why we do things like life groups at Overlake. That's why we go after Rooted 101, which is always taught in a relational context. It's, it's why we do mom's groups. So many support groups, right? All of our ministries are designed to be lived and, and to walk this road of faith in community because Jesus wants to heal us in community. You might not prefer to admit that you've even got a problem or that there's even a brokenness there. There's a wounding. And, and I just want you to understand, Jesus wants to heal you in humble confession. You might prefer to handle your healing on your own strength, but Jesus wants you to offer it to him in prayer and submission and allow him to deal with it on his strength. So I, I just bring these things up because each of these ways is a reminder that Jesus wants to heal you in the way that you need to be healed. And, and it might not at all be a part of your preference. In fact, it might be abrasive to your preference, as abrasive as mud pies on your eye. But I want you to understand something. This is really, really powerful. It's actually huge. It goes way, way beyond this message. It's that my preference is about my pride. 
My preference is about my pride. And Jesus is so loving and he is so gentle. But I do want you to know this, that there will be a day when your pride smacks up against the person of Jesus Christ. There will be a day. There will be, maybe it's already come and maybe that's, you've bowed the knee and and you've submitted to him, but I just want you to know there will be a day when your pride smacks up against the person of Jesus and in that moment, it's either you call the shots for your life or he does. In that moment, it's either he's gonna be the Lord or you are, right? And so I would just encourage you In that moment, when your pride smacks up against the person of Christ and it rears its ugly head and you want to say, who do you think you are? I hope you respond to yourself in humility and say, oh, you're the Lord of all. You're the lover of my soul. You're the Savior who's come to redeem me and rescue me. And my my prayer is that you would respond in that moment by allowing the arms of Jesus to wrap around you and you wrapping your arms around him. Okay, so I I want you to just think about that because I I cannot for the life of me think that that blind guy sitting on the side of the road would have written a prescription to Jesus. Jesus, you know, listen, I I know you're here with the disciples. Could you please spit in the dirt? (laughs) I would love some mud on my eye and then send me through town so that I could go to the pool of Siloam and wash off there. That's going to be fun. Finding my way through town as a blind guy with mud loogies on my face. He would not have preferred it, but he cooperated with the healing of Jesus. And because he cooperated with the healing process of Jesus, he came back with 20-20 vision. I can't imagine that it bothered him at all after that. I can't imagine that it was ever one of those things that he went to a therapist about, you know, I'm really, really scarred. You know, yeah, Jesus healed me, but first he, you know, no, no. The scripture says there was wide open praise. In fact, we have his response afterwards. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the son of man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You've seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Friends, that's the end result. The end result of God math is always worshiping the Lord. Last week we talked about God math. You might remember this. It was uh, five loaves plus two fish equals 10,000 fed. That was the the God math equation for last week. This week uh, I have a God math equation if you want to write it down. It's just this. H2O plus the compound for dirt equals 2020 vision. Uh, Some of you prefer the more technical, uh, it's H2O plus the chemical compound, which is quartz, calcite, feldspar, and biotite. Most of you already knew that. Uh, That equals 20-20 vision. And, And I just want you to understand, Overlake, that you are cordially invited by Jesus to experience his outlandish love and healing in your life. And then you're cordially invited to participate in his outlandish love and healing in your world. And so I, the question then comes, well, how do we get in on this? How do, we, how do we allow our actions to kind of line up with where Jesus is, and how can we get in on sharing his outlandish love? If you're filling in the blanks, the first one here, recognize that Jesus gave what he had to offer. We start where Jesus started. Jesus gave what he had to offer. 
Many of you are familiar with this reality about our Lord and Savior. But Jesus did not have extra clothes to give. He didn't have an extra pair of sandals to give. He didn't have any technology to offer. He didn't have the deeds of real estate to share. He didn't have pharmaceuticals to distribute in his satchel. But Jesus began by offering what he could offer. And I want to encourage you to do the same. And I don't know exactly where in your world this looks, so I want you to be prayerful about it, but I want to encourage you to start where you are and to offer what you can offer. Some of you are like, well, I don't have much money. I don't have, I don't have a lot of financial resources at my disposal, uh, but I have, you know, I can offer this, then offer it. What you can offer, offer. Some of you are like, well, I don't have a lot of extra time. I'm, uh, you know, time impoverished and I've got these other things going on. But I, but I could set aside this, then set it aside and give that time. Some of you are, I, I don't have a lot of talent. I don't know what I could bring and what I could offer. And, but the talent that you have, offer that. Start where you are. Offer what you have to offer. I heard a, a pastor named Ray Bakke tell a story. He was... He was a pastor in the inner city of Chicago way back on the day that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. And if you know that history, you know that Chicago, it just went up in riots. And so they brought in the National Guard. They literally rolled tanks down the streets. They put soldiers at, at many of the, uh, the, the block ends of African-American neighborhoods because they just, they wanted to quell everybody. You know, it was kind of lockdown scenario. And, and, and the tension in the city was, was so, it was just toxic. And Ray Bakke is a pastor right in that area. He knew that something needed to be done. He didn't know what to do, so... He grabbed his two elementary school boys and they got a bunch of baseball gloves. And they hiked through town and they climbed over the barricade past the tank and they went into a neighborhood and began to knock on doors, inviting the children to come out and play street ball with them. And a few came out and then a few dozen came out and pretty soon the parents came out sitting on the stoops watching the game. And, and in a city where... Racial tension was at its height. There was a picture of a multi-ethnic street ball game that brought healing and balm to that area. You start with what you have. You offer that. You start where you are, and you begin there. And some of you, you, you want to kind of dismiss yourself. You're thinking, you know what, I, I don't have much to offer. I'm just a bus driver, and I'm, I'm just in the financial sector. I'm just, uh, you know, a, a work project manager at Amazon. I, I don't have much to offer. I'm a, I, I'm a stay-at-home, you know, parent. I, I don't have much to offer. I'm just... Look, where you are, exactly now, that's what you're to offer. God will open up the opportunities for you to show outlandish love. You just begin by saying, Lord, I'm willing. Instead, look, this week, I promise you, you're going to come into a situation where you could respond in judgment like the disciples. You could respond in blame like the disciples. Instead, view that situation as a situation where God wants you to reveal his power and love. Wherever you are, whatever you have, you offer what you've got. And that's what Jesus did, and, and that's what we want to do as well. Uh, the next fill-in is, is real simple, that you share what you know. Start where you are, offer what you have, share what you know. Some of you, 
you're, you're a little bit tentative to, to bring up faith conversations. You're a little bit tentative to let the conversation or the, the discussion or, you know, the, the friendship go into places of, of spiritual things and, and faith matters. And I, and I think the reason why you're tentative is because you're dismissive of your own knowledge base. You're thinking, well, I, I, I don't know all of the scriptures. You know, I haven't memorized, you know, the, the 66 books, and, and I'm just afraid that they're going to ask me a question, and how many angels can stand on the head of a pen, and I don't know, you know, and you, listen, you share what you know. What do you know? What is, what is everyone in this room an expert on? Your story. Your story. How Jesus has met you, and how he has loved you, and how he has graced you, and how he has saved you, and how he has blessed you, how he has provided for you. You tell the story of how you were blind to spiritual things, and then Jesus invaded your life, and and those eyes have been opened, and now you see God's love everywhere. You have a story. Share it. That's what this blind guy does. Right? You see the scripture, John 9, 25. He says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. And that's the same story that we can share. You know your story, you can share it. So friends, I just want you to understand that this is exactly the journey that we are on as a church. This is what the family of God known as Overlay, this is what we are going after. We want outlandish love, right? We want this outlandish love to pour forth through our actions as we bring his kingdom now. As we just communicate, Jesus is Lord. Yes, in eternity he's Lord. He's also Lord right now. And we want to get in on his outlandish love. And so if you're just checking Overlake out, I want to tell you, this is why we serve street kids in Seattle and overseas. This is why we invest heavily in our students and in our children as we minister to those who live on the east side. This is why we are immensely involved in orphan care, both local and international, why we fight human trafficking, why we care about HIV AIDS and, and, and combating that with not only compassion, but education and care, both in Washington state and in South Africa. It's why we offer counseling to anybody for free. It's why we pray for hundreds every week, why we give away thousands of dollars through our aid and assistance. It's why we keep trying to follow Jesus exactly where we are, with exactly who we are, and exactly who Jesus brings in front of us, because we are recipients of his outlandish love, and we want to get in on pouring it out on the world. Woo! You know, I, I know we're not like an amen church, like we don't, amen and glory. Like, I know we don't, but, uh, but I will tell, I, I just want you to have freedom. Like, if, if you feel that welling up in your heart, you give it out a, a, a woot woot, you give out a, a go dog, like uh, whatever, you know, whatever's good for you. No, we, we are absolutely excited about the road that God has paved for us to walk. And, and I just, I, I want to be, just honest with this, because we talked about this. What you love, you leak. And the more in love we are with Jesus, as we receive his outlandish love poured on us, the more we're going to leak that outlandish love everywhere we go, in every situation that we're in. You're coaching 
uh, you know, a, a sports team. You're, 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 you're leading a, a PTA. You're, you're, you know, a bus driver. You're in Microsoft. Wherever it is that you are, that's the place that God wants you to pour out his outlandish love. You, you leak what you love. And the more excited we get about the Lord, the more it's just going to, we're going to leave clues everywhere we go. Just this trail of blessing and love, you know, that's really kind of a gross visual. But you know what I'm saying, like, we're going to leave evidence along the way. And, and where there's excitement, there's invitement. And I know that, that idea spreads to this church family. We're going to be excited about who we are as a church. I heard a story this week. Um, my buddy Grant told me he was visiting Kenya about five years ago. There was a lot of political unrest in Kenya. Uh, it, was, it was based around elections and, you know, corruption in the government. There was just, there, there was just a ton of anger in the nation. And so a lot of cities um, were heavily impacted by rioting the looters and the destruction. In fact, uh, my buddy Grant had gone to this one town and virtually every building in the town had been torched and looted, except for one, right in the center of the town. It was the church. And so he was asking through interpreters, well, what happened here? How, how come every building is destroyed and this one, it's immaculate? And the answer he got was this. He said the looters were, and the rioters were, were working their way through the town and they were, they were destroying everything they could get their hands on and they were moving toward the church. And the townspeople came out of their homes by the hundreds and they stood in a circle around the church building. And they held hands. And they formed a human shield between the church and the anger of the rioters. And as... Those people came close. They wanted to go through and they wanted to destroy the church. And, and the townspeople, they said, look, you can burn my town. You can destroy my home. But this is where all of the children get fed every day. And you will not touch it. When I heard that story, I just, I mean, it really hit me. Because I thought to myself, that is a picture of a church that gets outlandish love. It's a picture of a church that does not exist for its own well-being. It exists for everyone. So every day, kids, no matter kids in the church, kids in the town, kids in the surrounding area, they come to that church and they get hot meal fed every single day. They care. They love. They lavish it on. They're outlandish with it. They're bizarre with it. It doesn't make any sense. Where's the money coming from? Where's the food come from? How can all these kids get fed every day? It doesn't make any sense. But that's a church that gets outlandish love. That was my first thought. And my second thought was much more haunting. And it was, if Redmond was going up in flames, would anybody in the community show, show up here? Have we communicated Christ's outlandish love to us poured out on our community well enough? Do our neighbors know that we love them because Jesus loves us? Do, do, the, do the down and out, do those on the margins, do, do, do the ones most in need on the east side and in Seattle, do they know, they might not know Jesus at all, but do they know that if you go to Overlake, you will be loved? Do they know that? Have we communicated that? I don't know. But I do know 
That's where we're going. That's who we're going to be. That's the church that God has called us to be. Yeah, you can give it a whoop whoop right now. Come on. Now that's it right there. Overlake, I love you. I, I, I I have been in ministry for 22 years. I have never been as excited about a church family like this. Thank you for being on the journey with me. Let's just continue to be amazed at Christ's outlandish love poured out for us and not hoard it, friends. No, let's give it away like crazy. All right, let's pray together. You know, Jesus, I, I, I want to start by saying thank you because I know there are so many here. We just confess that we have been healed by you, that you have seen us in our deep need and our deep brokenness. You have seen us in our isolation, in our estrangement, and you have met us in our wound and healed us and loved us. You have saved us. You, you have graced us, and we are so incredibly grateful. We just want to say thank you for that. We praise you, we exalt you, we worship you, we bless you, Lord. And now, God, we ask that you would let us be um, reflexive, that, that we would leave this place and offer that love, that we would leave this place and lavish that love, that we, we would be creative and entrepreneurial, that we would, we would have eyes wide open to the opportunities that you were putting in our pathway, and we would work quickly to do the tasks assigned to us, that we would see opportunities everywhere along our journey to reveal your love and your power. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the praise and glory. It's in your name we pray, amen.